it out towards the big ruck. Then Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck. Campbell over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Cole Martin. And he slammed through his first on the bending over his grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. Forest Hill come out of nowhere to surprise Churnside Park, whilst Fair Park get a big win over Whitehorse to lay plans for a miracle survival push. Meanwhile, Templestowe continue their charge in Division 2, keeping the pressure on the Basin in the race for fifth. North Ringwood hand Vermont their eighth loss on the bounce, and Montrose go pretty big against Mitch and welcome to the Eastland Monday recovery with Matthew Fodia, Ryan Long and Scott Hardy. Ryan, a big day yesterday out at East Burwood Reserve, mate, but uh, a classic game that we'll get into later on. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've been lucky with the East Burwood games. We've had twice and it's been a lesson and a kick in both games so yeah, a, a big win for South Belgrave but it's an interesting race in Division 2. East Burwood showed that they're, yeah, they're definitely up for the challenge come September time. Scotty yeah. Hardy, yeah. Taboo, mate, the Monday recovery. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm looking forward to it. It was a, a good weekend of footy. Good weekend of footy, absolutely. Well, obviously if anyone did tune in to the Eastland match of the round coverage yesterday. They would have heard a young Blake Tennant on the score centre going absolutely skits every time a Montrose or Division 1 score came across his desk. And uh, we've got Montrose coach Gary Ayers on the line. After their side, his side, sorry, won by 42 points over Mitchum. They kept uh, the pressure now on Croydon and Mitchum in the race for fifth spot. They've won three games in a row. Uh, Mitchell Davis and Billy Schilling continuing their good form with four goals apiece. Schilling in his 200th senior game in the Eastern Football Netball League. Gary Ayers is online. Gary, thanks for joining the Monday recovery. Recovery, mate, you must be happy with the boys, especially that second half where you kick nine goals to three. Uh, most definitely, yeah. Nah, g'day, guys. Uh, always nice uh, to enjoy your weekend just that little bit better when you have a win. And certainly our form over the weekend against Mitchum at their home ground, I thought was a real positive performance. I felt for most of the game, we certainly controlled field position and territory and our ball movement, both in offense and what we did when we didn't have the ball, I thought was pretty positive. But it's probably been a bit of a build, to be honest. I think our second half against Muralbark about five weeks ago was fairly positive, even though they jumped us in the first half. But then I think our form from that point on has been pretty consistent. So it's a nice bit of reward for the boys. But it also says, I think, a fair bit about having to make minimal change. It was the first game out of 15 this year that we only had to make one change at the selection table. So all in all, I think that breeds uh, consistency and a little bit of stability as well. How have you gone transitioning from coaching at, at the elite levels to, to coaching at the local level where ground sizes change, you know, your, your, opponents, <laughs> your opponents play varying different game styles that can vary from heavily contested and physical to trying to play, you know, a pretty brand of footy. And then, as you mentioned, the fact that every, I think every club across the comp has gone through similar things where they can't go one week to the other with the same 22. Yeah, look, I've really enjoyed it, to be honest, guys, and I think I've adopted the uh, philosophy that from Tuesday to Thursday is a fair time with selection, then Thursday to Saturday is even a longer time, and I didn't want to answer my phone there for a few Saturday mornings because, of course, there was late changes, but I think it's been positive from the point of view where I had a little bit of an understanding with both two of the boys that I played uh, footy with in Rodney E's case, being yep. a premiership teammate, and I sort of picked his brains there for a fair bit over the summer and, and then the other one was I coached uh, Robbie Nahas out at uh, North Ringwood. So 
they both gave me a bit of a, I guess, a backdrop on what to expect. And I think the club itself off the field has been pretty solid and everything that they're doing really says a fair bit about the way we want the club to be. And now we're just trying to take care of what we want the club to be on the field. But they've really embraced me as a person and I couldn't have asked for any more support. It's just a case of having an underlying vision, I guess, of where we want to go long term. And that's clearly the sustained success approach, hence the reason why we've played 43 players this year and also two 14 debutants as well. But in regards to the opposition, I guess I've tried to really look at what we can do more so and have a healthy respect for what the opposition do. But I think it's always about what you need to control as a group, as a, a collective, as an individual. And if we can keep working on that, then I think we're on the right path. But yeah, it certainly does differ because I don't think I've ever seen as many grounds consistently that <laughs> some have got 45 metres, some have got 40s and well, they all the claim old, they're 40, Gary, but some of them are closer to 30 than 40. But everyone will say 40. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I was going to say the quirky nature of uh, the great Montrose ground too with that. <laughs> I think it's got a two-metre slope down to one end. So whenever I want to do anything extra with the boys, I just get them to run up the slope at training. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's been really enjoyable with that good crowd. And we want to make the Montrose community really proud of what we do. And hopefully they can invest from the sponsorship, membership, and just the general support. But, no, it's, it's been really good. And I think it's also nice that we've so far had a pretty good, consistent year of uh, playing footy, whereas the last two years have been COVID interrupted. Gary, congrats on the win, mate. A, a really impressive against a, a pretty high-quality opponent. Consistency at the start of the season, as you mentioned, was probably a bit um, week in, week out. Week out. Um, I think you had a, a win-loss record. Um, going back and forth for a bit there, but you've you've strung three wins in a row now and have some winnable games in the run home. Is that sort of the difference now that um, stability in the side? You, you you mentioned just the one change this week, and um, you seem to be back on track on that terms. And is that the the big change that you know you haven't had to make many changes? Yeah, I think so, and I think it's a couple of things too. We we probably played about nine or ten games straight uh, with the way we. I guess, pitched for the Queen's birthday weekend round and we played uh, Murrell Bark and then, of course, we had a break uh, for the centenary gala night there and obviously celebrating the club's 100 years, which is a wonderful achievement, shows a lot of resilience. But I think it's been a combination of the break. I think some of our more experienced players have found their feet and are a little bit more consistent in how they're contributing to the overall team and we really need their guidance and experience for the younger boys because the younger ones have that enthusiasm and that exuberance and they just want to play footy and get around each weekend and hopefully contribute to a positive result. But I also think it's the way the boys now are understanding how I want them to play. And we were certainly doing it in fits and starts, as you mentioned, and our results were small losses. There might have been a six-point loss to Beaconsfield, a two-point loss after the siren to Lilydale. Uh, 10 or 11 points, I think, to uh, East Ringwood early. I reckon 14 points to Mirrelbach early in the season. So, yeah, there were games that we were doing it, but we weren't doing it as long as what we're doing it now. And I think the guys are getting an understanding of how I want them to play and how they want to play. And obviously the results are a bit of a validation of that, I think, too. 
Yeah, Gary, um, Scott here, mate. Congrats on the on the win, and and as you spoke about, it's it's getting that group to sort of come with you from that change from sort of AFL VFL level. Have you sort of had to change, I guess, your attitude or, or expectation of professionalism from the players, or have the players sort of come up to your level and 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 met you sort of either halfway or exceeded your expectations? Yeah, there's been a, a bit of both. I would have thought so. Clearly, I've got to take a step forward to them in relation to the attendance, the training, communication, and just what we want as overall standards and expectations because they've clearly got their families, which are the number one most important thing in their life, then it's their work life or university, or in some cases, they're combining two roles with uni and also to work, part-time work. And then you've got your sport, whatever that may be, and in our case, clearly, it's footy. So there's even some guys that work on a Saturday morning before a game in the afternoon. So it's really got to be, boys, communicate. I don't have any problems with obviously the fact that you can't make it for a variety of reasons, but understanding that their commitment is going to be really clear on what I want. And if they are off for whatever reason, then if that starts to chew into their performance from a consistency point of view, well, they'll know where they'll find themselves and clearly that's back in the reserves. But having said all that, our 19s at equal top on the ladder. Our reserves beat the undefeated Mitchum on the weekend and they're sitting second. So the, the I guess, underneath is really progressing in a manner that we want it to be. So hopefully that's a real positive sign for the future. Yeah, and and going forward, um, obviously with the win yesterday, it puts you in, in good contention to, to look towards finals. At this stage, are you sort of taking it um, week by week or are you looking at ways to get past, I guess, the, the two clubhouse leaders in, in Moorabark and um, East Ringwood? Yeah, we've really adopted a process-driven mantra, I guess, and I think it's very much aware of keeping the players on task for what, does work really, really well, but also to them what we can do better. And there's always room for improvement. So the process, the results tend to take care of itself if you actually get that process right. And because we've had so much change of personnel, it's also trying to get them to have a trust in the coaching staff and also to have a trust in the individual players, their teammates, obviously, because if you've got a really strong trust between those two groups, I think you can go on and become successful. So that's what we're building. The culture's another thing. I think culture probably waxes and wanes to a degree, depending on the personnel that you've got. But clearly a couple of years ago, the club hadn't set really on-field, that is, foundation for sustainable success. So, yeah, we're building it. But it's just got to be one week at a time. It's like what I say to the boys, you get four points if you win by 100 points you get four points if you win by one point so it's really about adopting that and um, as the old cliche would say don't get too far ahead of yourself you mentioned your experienced players and the the importance of them playing well and davis kicked four yesterday and chilling four and he had a, a, a bag uh, i think the week before that as well how important and, have uh, they been? sorry right and andrew haining best on ground yeah as well so how, how important have they been just in the last few weeks that seem to be able to just uh, um, stem the season back on track yeah, oh, enormous. Uh, Billy, we uh, put him forward in the second half against uh, Upper Gully and he ended up jagging seven goals that day. And Mitchie Davis has certainly been a pretty consistent goal kicker over the journey at uh, Eastern Football League. And 
we've actually had that sort of two-pronged attack and we're getting a little bit more bang for our buck, I guess, going forward now. And then Billy, I think he went from seven straight against Upper Gully to 3-6 the week before against uh, Beaconsfield. And then, yeah, he came out and kicked four on a pretty good player in Josh May. So and Mitchie Davis just has really built. He had a couple of little things with his body that just didn't quite allow him to be at his uh, best or get better. And I think they're the guys that just have that calming influence. And when you look at guys that have played a fair bit of senior footy this year, Max Hall, Brad Watson, Bailey White, Taj Heap, uh, young Ben Johnson in the ruck to a company, Andrew Haney, those boys should be looking at what these guys are doing. And they're all successful players in their own right, haven't played big grand finals, haven't played uh, in premierships. So when you look at what you can learn close to hand, and those guys, those older ones that are, they are really trying to educate and I guess give something back to the group that's actually given them a fair bit in their careers because, you know, to be honest, a lot of them are getting in that bracket of, uh, I guess, in the twilight of their time. So it's about how they probably want to write, how they want to go out with really good positive footy careers and at the moment they're getting the job done and uh, we're really thankful for that. Gary, what's your relationship and, and how do you see your role with the development of guys like Max Hall, Brad Watson, Taj Heap that you just mentioned? Because obviously Max had a fantastic week uh, against Beckersville. He had high 30 possessions, goals, tackles, clearances, everything in between. They've, between them, they've played a handful of VFL games this year. But as someone with your experience both coaching and playing, what do you see your role? Because obviously the focus is winning games and developing a future for Montrose. But when you see players like that, with potential, I'm sure a bit of you wants to sort of guide them in the right direction. Oh, most definitely part of me. And it's also about the advice that hopefully I can give these guys because having been at the, the AFL and the VFL for quite some time and just try and point out the little things that will hopefully give them the opportunity to be a complete player and really Max has been first class and so much so that they're actually starting to take a little bit more notice of him and in a couple of games over the last month or so, they've actually set someone for a role on Max. But they're just little challenges that he'll get. And no doubt, as you go up each grade, you're going to learn more and more. But I said to Max at the start of the year, whatever I can do, mate, to help you play more games at Box Hill, that's what my charter is. So it's really giving him feedback. It's really giving him any any advice that I possibly can, any little subtle differences in his game that might just make him a better player. Clearly, we play him as that inside mid, and I think that's his best position for us. But clearly, when he steps up to the next level, there's a lot bigger bodies. There's more experienced guys, like a, a Liam Shield has been playing a fair bit of box hill footy. So he's got to understand that there's that sort of patience. But also, to trying to point out that in our game, you do have to be patient. And I think what we do tend to forget sometimes is we want everything by tomorrow. But... And that's coaches included, but that doesn't happen that way. So it's just a steady graph that he's got to go on. He's got to understand that he went from being able to do his own thing for quite a lot of games this year to now the opposition taking more notice of him. So that's another challenge that he's got to work through. But I really say it's just advice and really just passing on anything that I can see as being, I guess, a different set of eyes from uh, someone who would have been working with him at Box Hill. Well, Gary, thanks very much, mate, for joining us um, on on this Monday recovery here. I know it's a Sunday morning, and I'm pretty sure Montrose had the band night last night, mate. So uh, rest, <laughs> rest, rest up today, mate, and we look forward to, to watching you guys progress and try to uh, ruffle a few feathers on the run home with a, a big last three games. Oh, good on you guys. Thanks for your interest. Thank you.
Gary Ayres there, Montrose senior coach and uh, all-round footballing legend. Uh, we thank him for his time. Scotty, there's some interesting stories coming out of Montrose at the moment. Obviously, on-field and off-field. We hear more about the off-field from Blake Tennant, but on-field there, they, they look like they have clicked over the last month. Yeah, they have. And, and obviously, it's just what Gary was sort of talking about, I guess, buying into that into that belief. And, and it's probably going to take a little bit of time to, to change over, obviously, having him come in and, and his expectations and, and everything like that and what the club would expect of of him as well, I guess. But look, it's exciting for them. It was a great win against Mitchum yesterday. It really gives them confidence and it keeps them within, you know, within flight of that um, of that top position to get into um, into finals. Where, look, where does it leave yeah. Mitchum? Sorry, Ryan, I was about to say because a couple of weeks ago we had them as the clear third place side, and, and them and Montrose have both played East Ringwood and Murubark. Um so they both have Croydon to come. Both have uh, a fairly winnable game. Mitchum have Upper Gully. Um, Montrose have Lillardale in that run home. And then they'll have a, a Beaconsfield for Mitchum. And I think Montrose have got uh, another half-tricky opponent I've in got, Bayswater. Yeah, so, Lillardale, so Bayswater. Yeah. So where does it leave Mitchum, though? Because, like I said, it, they had a, they start the season, or well, both turns of the fixture very hard. They play the top two teams. Yeah. So they were 0-2. And then they went from being, I think they were 6-3 and to 6-5. and It was going to happen. Um, but unfortunately for them now, they've now lost those games to one turn to South and Montrose again this time around. So it puts a lot of pressure back on the Croydon game. They did smack Croydon last time. But where are they at now? Because their last few weeks, they'd just be a little bit worried. Yeah, it's certainly they've been off the pace the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I, I think it's not a certainly not panic signs. They were well and truly in that game against one turn to South. Could have could have uh, pinched that in the end. Um, it, it's... You know, looking at their run home, I still think there's there's definitely no worries about not missing out in the top five. They'll they'll definitely be there. I know they've dropped a fourth or dropped a fifth now, but well, they'll, well, they'll definitely be up a gully, so they'll, they'll definitely get to thirty six, and they should should be Beaconsfield at home. Yeah, and and they play Croydon. Is that at, at home Croydon. as well? At Croydon, but they, I mean, Croydon. Have, we'll get to them in a second. We'll get to so you, so you, Mitchum, Mitchum should get to forty. Points. They'll they'll get their forty points. I think they're just just well off, well and truly off the the. Sort of the premiership race. I, I think they're yeah. they're definitely. A I think couple the last couple of weeks, and and they too have probably been hit by you know COVID's hitting everywhere at the moment and, and injuries. So Jake Prenti returned with four goals, so it clearly yep. didn't affect him too much. But but yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Last obviously the first half of year they went on that six run streak, um, six one six run six winning games in a row, and you sort of start to pick up no, notice like one turn of south at the moment. Um, and they've just had a couple of slip-ups here. But, but yeah, I, I think they'll make yeah. finals. But they, it's now dangerous. It just puts pressure on that Beaconsfield game because Beaky really tested Croydon yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we may as well read that, read out that score as I've thrown to that game. So it was tied all along uh, in the end, Croydon 9-7-1 to Beaconsfield 8-4. Uh, and it was only two points of difference at three-quarter time. So two goals to one in the last for Croydon. But yeah, Mitchum, that Beaconsfield game, it's it's a trickier one than it looks on ladder position, doesn't it? So there'll be a lot of pressure on that one and the Croydon game because the winner of that will play finals and the other one will be watching to see if Montrose can continue their good form. But, yeah, it's good work for Montrose. Like Wanty South, we expected them to do it at some stage, Scotty. I think they might have done it a tiny bit too late, but... Better yeah. late than never. Oh, well, exactly right. They've so they've probably saved a little too late, but look, it keeps them within the hunt um, from that. And and obviously yesterday, I think Croydon were probably a little bit lucky to get that win because um, Beaconsfield only I think in the second quarter they only scored one behind. 
So that yeah, really it, sort of cost it. Beaconsfield is the kind of ground where there will be a scoring end just because of how big it is. And if there's any, it's heavy track at the moment. So if you can lock it in your forward half. Um, Corrin did have more scoring shots, 16 to 12. But a similar game, I guess, to the, the one out at Corrin Oval, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, there was and, a not very high scoring. And, and at any stage, one team could have won with a quick burst. No, and, and obviously, again, speaking with Gary about what was sort of happening with the, the top sort of teams. It sort of looks like it's Moorabark East Ringwood and, and how do those teams go about defeating them because that's ultimately who they may come up against. Well, the only team we're going we're gonna to probably find out about is Wanty South over the next three weeks. They play both of them and yep. are obviously in good form. But I, having watched that game last week, Scotty, I don't, I don't think any of the teams should be worrying about it. It's all about building for the future. So maybe yep. maybe it's a good year to finish fifth and sixth and, and, and so on. But uh, Matthew Johnson kicked five goals again for Beaconsfield, Riley Britton three. You wanted to talk about Croydon, Ryan. What, what you th- so that win is a banana skin avoided, uh, but they still have to play Moorabark, and Montrose oh, yeah, and Mitchum. So they've got a they've probably got one of the harder runs home, them and Wanty South. Obviously Wanty South looked pretty safe. Um it's yeah, it was a good win, but they need to they need to win at least one of their last three minimum. They're they're not convincing at all, but you, you just need to take four points against Beaconsfield. And Beaconsfield have, have proven to have been um quite competitive against, you know, a few of the, the sort of the uh top five or six sides. So their run home, I actually have them zero out of three. And I have uh, Montrose winning all three on just on form at the moment, the way they've been going the last couple of months. So that would put them outside of the the top five. And I just I just don't think they have enough scoring power. Um, again, I think you said it on the Friday show that it would be a fifty to sixty sort of score. Um, well, we were wrong. Can, Sixty-one to fifty-two. So, <laughs> so, well, pretty pretty close. I'll give you it. Um, and. That's not been. I know it's conditions out there wouldn't help at all, but it's been a, a trend all season. They haven't been able to, to find the um, find the goal, Scott, and that's been a big issue for them. And I, I, if they make it in there, I just can't see them doing anything. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing that they've had sort of beacon seal measure before. Obviously, we saw them earlier in the year and covered that covered that game. And again, they were probably lucky in that regard as well. But like they're saying, you, you just need the four points. So if they get it, if they get that one, that takes them to forty. And then we're sort of saying that Mitchum, if they can get to forty, that that's sort of well, Mitchum. Know, Takes. Definitely should. They've still got to play up a gully and Beaconsfield. Yeah. yeah. So that's where you sort of think, well, if it can, if they can pinch it somewhere, you know, and, and it just takes, you know, some different conditions on the day. You obviously saw yesterday's um, game or, or most probably around the grounds. It was pretty windy, yeah. wet, sloppy conditions. Um, but sometimes that's just enough to get you the four points. Just in terms of that, so quickly, uh, on for those of you, you can do a ladder predictor on yeah. game day. You can. <laughs> so I'm doing it right now. So uh, at the moment, going into the last round, I've got – uh, Montrose and Croydon equal on points. Montrose with a better percentage. So Croydon would have to, like have, to said, Croydon have to win at, le- at least one and ideally for them it would be that Montrose game um, to, to make the to make the finals because I don't see them being Moorabark and they could possibly beat Mitchum but like I said, we think Mitchum have got got the goods and we better we better go around the other grounds in Division 1 quickly. So East Ringwood, uh, 45 point winners over Ludo. Uh, Ludo did fairly well. I thought that were going to be a massive result. In the end, obviously eight goals is quite the margin but could have been worse. Sam Lawson, uh, second game in a row for the Roos, he kicked six. So from my understanding is he will play the final series. Um, so it'll, I think there's a certain amount of games you have to choose between your local club or your VFL club, and I think he's going to choose East Ringwood, and they'll be happy with that, six and, and best on ground. Macaulay Beckwith kicked four for the Falcons. Uh, we already ran through that Beaconsfield coin score. Matthew Johnson kicked five goals for Beaconsfield uh, and now moves into fifth on the goal. So 35 goals in a side that's not particularly high scoring is... 
a very, very good effort by the, the Casey man. And then Bayswater and Wanty South. So Wanty South, I think that's six in a row now, yeah, Ryan? Yeah, six in a row. Six in a row. It was a tight tussle up until three-quarter time. Uh, and then the, the Devils went bang in the last quarter. Five goals, six to two goals. Marcus Jordan kicked three. Liam Hewitt kicked three. He's having a good year. Uh, Bailey Cowman. James Krikus and Brooke Caney, the best three for the Devils, whilst Ben White, Bryce Galvin and Jared Cameron were the best for the Waters. Um, in terms of Wanty South as well, Liam Hewitt, that's those three goals get him to 34 goals for the year and, and they're starting to hit the scoreboard as well. So the Devils do have, I think they've got East Ringwood this coming weekend, then the, then the Falcons in the Liddell and then Moorabark to finish. So you can look at it two ways, Scotty. That Liddell game will have a bit of pressure on it because as much as we're talking about Croydon and Mitchum possibly slipping out, if... Luda did beat Wanty South last time. So if Wanty South don't win any of their remaining three games, Montrose could still catch them. Yep. But also you can look at it at the way that Wanty South have a, a free hit against the two sides they're trying to catch. Yeah, for sure. And and that's, like I was saying before, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but at least it gives them that chance to sort of see how they're going to compete against the the, the top two, and or at least East Ringwood anyway, um, and shows whether they you know are going to be up there. But like we've said, it sort of seems like a two-horse race. They they kick incredibly accurately usually, Wanny South. I think both 10, times. 16, the last two times. 10-16 yesterday, but I think the last time they played East Ringwood, they kicked really accurately and kept it closer than it might have been. Um, I, on the ground. And then I remember a game last year, it was a shootout, and I spoke to an East Ringwood person, and they said we should have won by 30 points, but they couldn't, Monty South couldn't miss, and East Ringwood could kick straight. So is that, that game, in their is that game coming up against East Ringwood? Is that at one turn's uh, home? I'll have to rely on Ryan here. All my tabs <laughs> open, and none of them are the fixture. I think, I, think str- I think the strength is that if you, if I think, you want to I put think them East Ringwood will be at Monty South, yep. and then the Murrubuck game will be at Murrubuck. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if, if you want to give them a chance at either. Um, against either Moorbark or East Ringwood is that they do have a pretty strong attacking lineup. They can score quite heavily, and you mentioned Hewitt. Um, Jordan certainly hits a, the scoreboard quite a lot too. So they've got the options up forward, and I think they still can. Still got Jack O'Keefe as well. Yeah, Jack O'Keefe. So, you know, they've, they've definitely got enough, you know, firepower. You, you would say Barlow's kicked 22 for the season, um, Hewitt obviously 34. And um, I beg yeah. your pardon, Scott, both of those games are at Walker Reserve. Okay. So. Okay. So you give them so, a chance. Yeah, and the, oh, that, probably, the problem is the finals are at Tormor. Yeah, oh, look, that's <laughs> all right. But it's just, I guess, sort of giving them that confidence. And, and obviously, at the moment, they're running with six wins. So it, it's a great time to come up against those yeah. two sides rather than if they were like, you know, one and one and five or whatever. Like, well, at yeah. least Wanty South's in a, in a good position now to say, well, we've got the I think form. they would prefer the Lourdes game this week to lock in finals yeah. and, and yeah. then have a free hit yeah, because the yeah. problem is if you come up against East Ringwood, who are – they're pretty scintillating, mate. We'll probably talk about. I think that's eight in a row now for them. Probably Are they more at full strength. Have it's, they got anyone to come in, or is this pretty much their their well, lineup? I'll be I think Mitch Keedle returned uh, to their side. Like they had a couple injuries. Oh, Sahaf Ali is probably the one. He got injured last week. Yeah. Um, I know Luke Ferry also got injured, but I think Luke Ferry would probably just miss out at full strength. Joshua Allison returned. Obviously, Lawson playing. Um, Mitch Keedle returned as well. Um, but I think actually be more than that for East Ringwood because obviously their last loss was against Murrubuck. So they'd be up to almost 10 in a row because obviously you play the nine yep. to get back to them. So they're on an incredible winning streak. Um, so you would, like I said, you'd prefer the Devils to, the Devils would prefer to play the Falcons lock in finals. Uh, and then Bayswater now look like they're probably done in terms of that finals push. Yep. Uh, and they've still got to play some tough games as well. So, okay, Ryan. Uh, Money where your mouth is. Are Montrose going to get there? Are they going to Are they going to sneak into the five? Because they've got the Bayswater game. They did lose to Bayswater, but this time it'll be at home. Yep. And they've got Ludale at home, so you would assume they win both those games, and then they'll finish with Croydon at Croydon, where they won last year. I've locked them in, so I think so you've got them winning all three. I games. have them winning all three, and I have Croydon losing all three. 
So they're, that's the side I think they're all, all right. plays. But, you know, we could be here next week and Croydon could knock off Mitchum. I so. think, but I think if, yeah, if even if Montrose win all three, one of Mitchum or, or Croydon will be susceptible. Given, I think given Mitchum are game. fine. With with their run home, I think they'll win two at least. So I, I think, think we could have – if Croydon win that game, you could actually have three sides on – actually, you will have four sides on 40 points. Which so, doesn't help Croydon on percentage. No, it doesn't. So Wanny South will get one win against Lillardale and we expect Scotty to lose the other two. So they'll finish on 40. Croydon have three games that Ryan's got them losing all three. But let's say they, they win the Mitchum one at home. Yep. They're on 40 – all the Montrose one, give or take. So they're on 40 points. Mitchum will beat Upper Gully and Beaconsfield, 40 points. And we've got Montrose winning all three for the sake of debate on 40 points. <laughs> so and it'll be all teams on 40 points. And then like like Ryan said, percentage really does hurt Croydon who just have failed to score this year. Yeah, and it's just keeping obviously those contests either either close or, or looking for those scoring options. But yeah, Croydon's just just sort of battled through through the year and, and it's it's a real sort of toss of the coin. And I like, you know, the speculation of sort of the next three three weeks. But well, we need we need Gary and Montrose to, to do us a favour. Yeah. Uh, and we also well, I, I presume there'll be another pep talk next well, week from uh Well from actually Tonsils. we forgot to ask like, we have forgot to ask Gary if anyone at Montrose can confirm whether Blake Tennant actually reminded Gary as this was the biggest <laughs> game of the year. I wanted to ask him but yeah. I got a little bit scared and I thought, no. oh, I'll keep well there's also the worry that he doesn't know who Blake is <laughs> and then we get a bit of dead air on a podcast Scotty which is no you don't want that which is not great it is it, division one as well just in the whole is such an intriguing division in terms of there's just clear divides so there's I feel sorry for Bayswater because they're sort of lost in no man's land because you've got the top two who are miles away both mm. percentage and points then we think we could have four sides finish on 40 points it's very feasible yeah. that all four sides could finish on 40 points and then you've got Bayswater who might finish on – they'll probably finish on six wins. Yep. They're just sort of out there. And then you've got Lurdale, Beaconsfield, and then Upper Gully. So Is Upper Gully going to get the win? Well, obviously we're going to come to North Ringwood after yeah. the break soon as well that got the win. So we're waiting on them, Oakley District, and Nunawadi to get a win to sort of complete the set. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a weird division that – you know, we're talking about all these races for fifth spot, and but none of us really believe that any of those teams will <laughs> will win. <laughs> will we'll, we'll, well, well, they'll, they'll win against each other. I don't know yeah. whether they'll be able to test these for a good or bad. But I asked Ryan, so I get around to you, Scotty. Who's making that fifth spot? Do you yeah. think it's going to change, or do you think Montrose will squeeze in? It's, uh, it's so so hard. I think you know, with the way Croydon's sort of been, they've they've held that spot sort of through most part of the year, that around that fourth fifth. So I sort of have to give them then credit when when obviously their backs up against the wall a little bit now. So so I'll keep it as is, and um, I think, yeah, I think Montrose will miss out, but they've got a they've got a good run. So yeah, I, it's I, just I, that percentage, I guess, is going to be the the key, and and Croydon really needs a, a I think, solid I think Yeah, I, I sort of I hope that it'll go down to the last day. Yep. Um, which I think it, it probably it probably will, especially if Croydon don't win in the next two. But um, yeah, I, I have to lean with you. I think I want to sort of get carried away with Montrose's winning run. Um, but they have they've, they've heard us before, um, and I think you know if they they could easily come out and lose to Bayswater. So I think I've got us hold with Croydon. But you know next week if I think have Mitchum got Croydon this week? Yeah, that's yeah. this week. If, if Montrose yeah. win again and Croydon uh, lose to, to Mitchum, well, even if Croydon beat Mitchum, all of a sudden it, it'll become an even more interesting race. But that's Division One done and dusted. A very philosophical and um, <laughs> hypothetical Division One uh, review. Thanks to Gary Ayers once again for joining us. When we come back from break, we'll jump into Premier Division and Division Two, where Templestowe kept pressure on the Basin and Northring have got their first win of the season. Eastland's new sporting precinct, the Circuit, has arrived. Race into the Circuit for customised kicks, giveaways, streetwear, new stores and more. Visit eastland.com.au for more details. And 
and uh, O'Regan probably just outside his distance, oh. although he's made a fool of me there. Beautiful kick. What a season he's had. Welcome back to the Eastland Monday Recovery. Bit of Brad Henderson there to bring you in uh, from that first break where we spoke all things Division 1, and now we're into Premier Division. So I'm sure, I don't know whether Brad had a favourite division, but that was Marco Reagan there from uh, from Baldwin and, and hit that ball. And so I got a good win overall, but we'll skip past them and go to the real story in Premier Division, Ryan. It was North Ring. We're getting the win over Vermont. We sort of, on the Friday uh, weekend forecast, we sort of floated it. We all, we all had a hunch, but none of us were that confident to, to say the Saints would get the win. And, and when I saw the quarter-time score, I thought, oh, no. They've, they've missed their boat, but they were able to run over the top of the young Vermont side in the end, winning 8-10 to 6-14, so eight points winners despite having uh, two less scoring shots. They kicked four goals, one to one goal, four in the last quarter, so Vermont players will have uh, obviously uh, something to watch back on their review. It's two very, very young sides, so I don't think I think the reaction on social media that, that I've seen is you know a lot of people, and I'm you know given Vermont's dominance over the past... 130 years or, or whatever it is, everyone's very keen to, to get them while they're down. But I don't think we can get – it's great news for North Ringwood. Very happy for Robbie Nahas and, and his troops, and they're still mathematically a chance of staying up. But I I don't think we should overreact here because if you watch the Vermont footage over the last month or so, it is pretty much a glorified under-19 side with or under-21 side um, with Lockie Johns and Alex Greenwood running around. Yeah, I was just looking through their list now and, and – Probably those two. Are, is, is Hawkins a young? Is he's Hawkins a is young? He's he's a boxer listed player, so you would include yeah. him in a. But still, he's young and yeah, and, and there's talent and then there's experience and and in some like you looked at the ground yesterday. We saw the footage at Quamby. I didn't go outside much yesterday, but I think it was a pretty miserable day. Um, you know, so so sometimes all the talent in the world can uh, can lose out to a big body when it's raining, cold, and and it's a bit heavy. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and apart from that, those sort of players, it's, it is a very uh, young list, and I still thought they would probably have enough, probably uh, you know, enough star, you know, enough stars to probably get themselves across the line with Johns, who's, you know, who's just had a phenomenal year again um, this this season. And look, it, it's it's fantastic for North Ringwood because you, you hate to see sides go through a season without without winning a game. And looking at the um, the footage from after the game, it was pretty, um, it was pretty. Uh, pumped up um, with everyone running onto the field and, and getting around the, the guys. So it, it's credit for them and um, it just gives them something to build on to towards next year. And um, for Vermont's sake, I, I know a lot of people are – they're sort of, sort of like Richmond where just because of the club of, of who they are, um, they want to – everyone very uh, – they they want to celebrate their sort of downfall a bit, and I know my dad certainly wouldn't be shedding a tear seeing Vermont um, drop a you know six or seven games in a row. But look, they're it's a different side. So you know what what uh, what he's working, what Parker's working with at the moment is you know a, a much different list, and they've got you know I think a lot of promise for the future wise because it's just going to be uh, a bit of a development stage. Yeah, and I think it makes them probably hungrier Vermont sort of going forward obviously hasn't probably been the the season that they expected or or we expected or most people so look it it just gives them something to to build for it's sometimes you need to take I guess those those knocks sort of to to readjust probably change change a few things going um going forward but um yeah credit to North Ringwood it's a a great win Uh, there was talk that they only had two on the bench after quarter time if if that's true that's a an amazing amazing effort um 
but you know those games are what sort of you play footy for. Obviously, North Ringwood, you could see that, like we're talking about that footage, people going nuts, and and that's what you play play for. You want that celebration, you want to enjoy it with your with your mates and and supporters, and it gives those supporters you know something to to look forward to. It's obviously not been North Ringwood season either, um, but look again, it gives them it gives them at least belief, promise that they've they've still got something in, in the tank, and where they go from there, that'll probably be up to next season. Well, absolutely. It's interesting to see, you know, North Ringwood as well. We should just celebrate. It's, it's, it's hard when you – I guess they would have circled this one in the calendar as Vermont continued to drop like a stone in terms of that should have moved on the ladder, but you know what I mean, and North Ringwood have been looking at this one. Um, they seem to always – they still have a great following, North Ringwood. They've still got a lot of numbers. I don't think they're ever going to, to really struggle. They have countless juniors. Their women's team are very, very supportive of their men's team. They're always in the yeah. – uh, I think it's coined the piss pocket, very creative. Yeah. <laughs> I think every team's got a piss pocket. I'd love teams to get a bit more creative, you know, Quamby something. I don't know if there's any word that starts with Q that, that means getting drunk. Well, um, well, no, we'll have to think. Of, that'll be well, our word of the week. That, well, we'll have to think but that. I, pre- we'll, I presume for the Troes, they'll have some sort of statue well, of Blake yeah, the, in the Well, corner. the, tro- the Troes, we have <laughs> trolley Troes or something like that. But uh, if they do have great fight. So, they like, the storming the ground was very 100 goals, Ryan. I don't think we would have seen that, you know. Yeah. When, if Upper Gully get to win this, this weekend, do you think they'll Storm Kings Park. Well, we'll come down there if they yeah. do, if they're, if they're in front in the last quarter. But it's 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 great, and as you said, they've they built a pretty good culture. And I know I spoke to the um, the women's coach at the the start of the season, and they were training with the men's, and they did a lot of fitness together. And um, it's 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 a one club. It's very very uh, united. So look, they're they're going to be fine for the future. I, I again, very young side. So it's just I I'm was really happy to see him get um, a bit of you know, reward for their effort. I think, do, do I go on a bit of a hypothetical runner here again here, Scotty? Do I look at the possibilities of a North Ringwood run home? Because they will, they should have a favourable run home. They, they should play those sides that finished down the bottom in, in the last few rounds. They would have to beat Doncaster and Berwick. They've got them. They've got Doncaster at Quamby. They've got Roval and Noel Park either side of that. So Pencil win a couple of losses, unfortunately, for the lads. But then Berwick to finish at Edward Flack. Win both of those. You, and then you just got to hope that it, it may come down to that. If they can beat Doncaster, yeah. it may come down to that last game against Berwick because Berwick plays South Croydon, Blackburn, and Roville. Yeah, and I guess, like we're saying, it's, it's possible. And obviously, the conditions sort of. It would be the great say, escape. It would be. It would be. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think against Doncaster. I know Doncaster haven't been of fine form either. Oh, but, no, yeah, the Doncaster game is the one. I don't see Doncaster slipping up against no. them, but. You, you, yeah, you do you never know. Though. I think I think it's at North Ringwood. It is. So it's yeah. at North Ringwood. So it's a yeah. bigger ground. If the pockets, um, if the pockets, well, if the piss pocket moment, <laughs> yeah. they could be getting pretty vocal. And <laughs> they, from the looks of the footage I've seen, that it's not even made. Usually, you think it's the under 19s that are sitting there, but it seems to be the senior women's <laughs> side. So it's ve- it would be very hard for someone lining up for a shot of goal, and you've got the senior women's side calling you every name under the sun. Yeah, um, and obviously, I'm sure they keep it respectful and, and don't cross a line there in the piss pocket. No, um, great, great to have like that that sort of culture, and obviously it's saying about you know having that that community and, and both sort of sides just coming together yeah. to, to watch footy to to cheer them on and and finally you know oh, that, see, the, see the yeah win. I think the, so, the way they were so excited for for the senior side winning the game but back to my hypothetical the sorry. miracle yes but, the miracle on grass yes. if they can get it done so they have to beat Doncaster next in two weeks and then they'll have to, and then it'll all come down to that last game against Berwick which would be to be fair the way Berwick are tracking they're young they're tired you know they've only got their only winnable game for us the year will be that North Ringwood one. It's, yeah, they faded out a, a bit in the last month. So, look, if, if, if you can pinch that against Doncaster, I would 
probably back him to beat Berwick, but I just oh, I, I can't tip against Doncaster no. at the well, moment. Well, that's the thing. Do Doncaster. Well, Doncaster, I think I've got Norwood next week, then North Ringwood. So they'll, they'll be looking, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, to try and get up to that seven win mark to put themselves in a position to, to recruit with a bit more purpose. But um, on, on the other end of the spectrum, if they, you know, they could also put the queue in the rack maybe. And, you know, that's the thing at the end of the year when you don't have anything to play for, a little bit in your head can sort of drift off. But look, we are probably clutching at shores. Yeah. Well done but, to North Ringwood. A win can sort of change the, can. Your, yeah. the way you're playing And they're a young side. Sometimes you get a bit of confidence yeah. in them. You know, uh, Brandon Leonard's only a young fella. They've had a couple of, they've had a lot of young guys go through that one side. I think they, uh, someone was tabooing uh, for, for North Ringwood on the weekend. There was another debutante uh, on the weekend. So a young side can get momentum going. We've seen that in all forms of sport. And that, and that's right. And going forward, the, you, you can sense the training this week. They'll be, they'll be on. And, well, and the know, sun's going... been out all week too. So, you know, hopefully it's not freezing cold <laughs> as it has out. been. So who have North Ringwood got coming this? So they've got the... Roeville Ro- yeah, at okay. Roeville. Okay, yeah. So it's a bit yeah, of a, a dampener. Yep. Yep. Uh, Doncaster <laughs> at home. Okay. Noble Park, I believe at Noble Park. Yeah. Yep. So oh, no, again, no, that's, at, that's at home. Is it at Quamby? Yep. But still, it's Noble Park. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then Berwick to finish at home. Okay. Uh, no, sorry, at Edwin Flack. So, yeah. I guess they've just got to keep that that belief within Sodom because they're obviously going up against Roval and Noble Park. Well, like, you've just got to keep some remnants of momentum, like Fair Park. I think we spoke to Sean Stanton about a month ago and when they were playing the sides like a Don Vale and yep. that, it was just about making sure you don't lose all the momentum you garnered from the win. So, the win over Vermont here, they don't think they need to go to Roval and, and win. Obviously, they'd no. love to, yeah. but... But they need to go there and go, okay, we need to keep playing good footy because we need to keep moving into the Doncaster game. Because if we can move into the Doncaster game on form and Doncaster, you know, subconsciously might just start resting a few blokes and they might be, you know, I don't want to get injured yep. before the summer and so on. <laughs> they might be able to pinch that second win. They pinch a second one and all eyes turn to Quamby yeah. um, for a relegation showdown, yeah. which as much as you don't like talking about relegation, relegation showdowns can sometimes be better than grand finals. They oh. they have so much emotion in them. For our perspective, it's great. You know, it gives us yeah, a, a brilliant talking point to, to lead up to that game. So it'll be sort of watch this space for, for North Ringwood, but at least it's it's given them something and, and they'll go forward. Absolutely. So well done to North Ringwood, Robbie Nahas and the boys. I spoke about Marco Reagan there. Obviously, the, the tune to come into the second part of the show here. Baldwin got another big win, Ryan. So we said on Friday that they had to be ruthless now, especially if they wanted to get second spot. It, you know, Roeville have to slip up twice, but they yep. do play the Hawks later on and no will play the Hawks. So it is set up for Bourne if they can get on a re- winning streak and they just need to be playing good footy heading into finals. Yeah. And they did that. Six goals to one in the first quarter. Um, and then after that, I think the last second half, they drifted a little bit but ended up winning by 46 points, 119 to 73. Charlie Haley kicks six. So uh, he's closing in on 50. He's got 49 goals for the year. Uh, and then their best on game, Yaron Jaffa-Williams. He's having a really, really good season. So they remain in fourth. Um, but they are putting the pressure on Roval, as are Doncaster East. Yeah, I, I still think they're a bit um, probably probably left their run too late for a top two finish, just with the way the the top three have been going at the moment, or the top two, sorry. But um, look, they needed the form the, the, because they've you know they've they've still been able to win games, but it hasn't been overly convincing. You know, yesterday they seem to be able to almost double their scoring shots of, of Norwood, who who brought some players back in. I believe Dixon and Pearson were back in the Dixon lineup. Dixon and Pearson, or? but uh, Lockie Dixon have been on a four-week, five-week jaunt around Europe, so I don't know about... At, at you know, he comes straight from St. Andrews <laughs> to, um, to, to, to Baldwin Park, so I don't know whether he was uh, running at 100%. Yeah, but, but, you know, still, they're very quality players, so they've... 
been in a, a bit a bit more of an improved Norwood side and, and very comfortably, and that's the sort of form that they need to take into next week and and really get on a bit of a run. We saw last year they weren't the, they weren't on top of the ladder, but they had that last four or five games. Yeah, where the they power were rankings we sides. had them as number yeah, one, didn't we? They looked the, they looked the informed side, especially with that that forward line that I think you call them the the holy trinity of. Um, what well, was Lyle Haley and Goebbels? There's no Goebbels this year. Um, yeah, but Lyle and Haley, you don't. The, so you know, between them, they've got 82 goals this year, and yeah. Lyle didn't kick any yesterday. So. Haley kicked six. So if if those two fire up and and they they've got a, a pretty strong back line as well, I think they'll be um, certainly a really big threat for a flag. It, it's yeah. a race, Scotty. I think to finish, you can still want to finish there because if you do look at the Premier Division ladder, as much as Blackburn rolled Bourne only a fortnight mm. ago, the percentage of Blackburn is 89. Yeah. And they're going to be, you would say, likely two and a half games, maybe one and a half games. Well, they'll be sorry, they'll be about two and a half to three games off whoever they play in that first final because it's third versus sixth. Mm-hmm. So, as much as it's an elimination final, you would much rather play Blackburn than you would play yeah. Doncaster East or South Corrin, especially the way yeah. South Corrin are going after their win yesterday. So, as much as you want to a try and get that double chance, b as you said, Ryan plays a hit finals in some form. You also want to make sure that you you aren't playing against a side that. You know, many have South Korea and there's still a premiership chance. Uh, Doncaster has been really good this year. So, you, as without being disrespectful to Blackburn, you want to play Blackburn in that first week. Yeah, for sure. And the the um, the percentage of ball and is is keeping them well well above and well, that's the thing. So you look at the ladder. If, if you look at the top five, so South Korea's got the worst percentage of the top five on 120, and then it drops to 90. Yeah. So that that shows yeah. the the class differential between fifth and sixth. That's that's it. And that um, obviously South Korea on 36 points, Bourne on 40. So they've got that game in hand with um, with that, and then it's really that battle with um, with Doncaster East because they're they're very similar in percentage, 141 percent for Doncaster East. 40 points as well. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, again, uh, with you, uh, with you, I'm sorry, I, it's, yeah, boring. I'm, I'm not sort of sold on, uh, sort of up and uh, ebbs and flows. I really, I really do they, like... They have had a tendency to do that over the, the probably the last five or so years and then it's whether they can click and they've never really got it clicking right at the right time. time. Last year they did and then nothing happened. Yep. So I think they'll be trying to find that again. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's going to be that battle, obviously... For third, that Doncaster East ball and South Croydon. I really like how South Croydon are playing. Good segue, the, Scotty. Thank you might be able much. to sit in this chair next week. <laughs> South Croydon smacked Blackburn. It was on paper, it was probably the great game of the round in Premier Division. Well, obviously, North River and Vermont for different reasons. Yep. But, you know, Blackburn had beaten Bowen two weeks ago convincingly on the road. They'd won, again, well against North Ringwood, so they were looking like hitting some form. The Dogs have been sort of fluctuating, Ryan. They were winning games against sides lower than, but, you know, the Norwood game, we weren't particularly impressed with them. They played some good yep. footy in patches, but they've been leaking in defence. Yes, that's probably their best performance of the year. So 30 scoring shots, they kick straight, 20-10-130 to 6-8-44. Marcus Bazagla will be very, very pleased with the fact that Blackburn managed just 14 scoring shots. You look at the goal kickers, obviously they had Adam Swizbolek, who would, I assume would have played majority in the ruck. Uh, that was a bit of a debate on Friday's podcast uh, because Max King kicked three goals. Thomas Sheridan kicked four. I think that's eight goals in two weeks. And James Wilson kicked seven to jump to uh, 46 goals for the year and second behind Charlie Haley. So the Dogs are starting to purr. That's two big wins in a row against yep. Park Orchards and Blackburn. So, again, sides that are going to be sixth and seventh. But they do have the firepower. They're playing all their games at home up until the finals. So they're, they're in that sort of form where they might be able to pinch a couple of games in that run home. 
Well, you're right, and you, and you mentioned probably you know the issues that when we watched them, they weren't convincing. They did enough, but defensively, they had a couple of uh, issues. But they're a side I think you would hate to play them that first week of the finals because they can turn a game in five minutes, and that's what they did against Norwood. It, it really just took five minutes in that third quarter to to really get grab the game by the scruff, scruff of the neck, and they do that through the middle, and that's why I like King in the ruck because he gave them first use of the ball every single time in the centre clearances and their options up forward with Wilson has been you know, well, fantastic Wilson, all year. I think that's 12 goals in, in two weeks yep. and I can't remember what he kicked the week before. Scotty, I said, you know, they'll pinch a few games in the run home. They won't lose in the run home, South Korea. Not, I, I imagine them having to play a Bowen or someone again, but they don't. They've got Berwick, Vermont, Doncaster, Norwood, all at home, as I mentioned. Incredible. Obviously, they played all their games in the front half away. Uh, so they've got the, these last seven games at home. So they've got a month at home. They don't have to travel, and they're going to play th- the bottom three or Vermont's form. <laughs> Probably has yeah. them in the bottom three. I think they're just outside the bottom three. Uh, and then Norwood, they shouldn't lose for the rest of the year. So they should finish around about 52 points with a fairly handy percentage. They might even be the team that finishes in third. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm saying that's sort of that's the battle now because I sort of feel like Noble Park and Roval will will definitely sort of have that. that. Roval have those two – They will. Noble and Ball, and if they win one of them, they'll lock in top two. I think there's still, if Doncaster East and Ball and don't slip up, there's still a chance of it. Yep. But yes, they're relying on Roville, who have been so good this year. Yeah, and it's just the way South Croydon are playing at the moment. I really like their footy. I really like what they've what they've got. Um, watching them against Norwood, like you're saying, they've had that third quarter sort of burst. They had it the same yesterday. They kicked uh, eight goals, I think it was, in the in the third quarter. Um, so that obviously, you know... They, eight goals to two. So five yeah. to two, four to one, eight to two, and then three to one. So they can, when they go, they go. And I just really like the way they're going about it. Um, obviously, having that, having King sort of as fluctuating from ruck and then to forward to kick three goals, it just gives them a really, you know, a really nice way to, to sort of look for scoring options. Um, and yeah, it's a, again, it's a watch this space, but I really think they'll they'll be up there. In terms of that race for the top two, so Roval have North Ringwood um, and Berwick, but they've also got Noel Park and Baldwin. So if they win three of those, they should be fine. Two probably is enough because Baldwin play Noble, Doncaster East, Vermont and Roval. So if Baldwin win their last month, Ryan, you'd probably say, A, they go in as premiership favourites because they would have rolled the other yeah. t- they would have rolled the top three and they might even squeeze into the second chance. So like you said, the top six is locked in now. Blackburn are going to finish sixth. Noble are probably going to finish top because I just think they're, at the moment, the best side in it. And then those four sides in between are just all grappling to, to see who can, A, finish in the top two and, and B, who can get the favourable elimination final. There's going to be a very unlucky team to, to, to lose in the um, elimination final. There's going to be a very good side that will be obviously knocked out yeah, and there's a, week yeah, one, and which is... I'm looking forward the reality to that final of the series. game. Reality, it's be yeah. Exciting. Doncaster East beat Doncaster. Was that the shark attack that, yes. that Blake was talking about? <laughs> no, or was no, it Park it was, Orchards? Yeah, it was Park Orchards. And it started Park Orchards initially because they were. We'll talk were about coming. the two sharks. So, the, so we'll talk. We'll start with Park Orchards. Yeah. So Roville jumped out the blocks yeah. out there at Dominic seven six to two two at, at quarter time. But then the, the sharks did chip away, especially in that second quarter. They got it back uh, to a manageable margin, but it was all Roville after that uh, with the the. Pretty much the Hawks just going goal for goal, keeping it at arm's length. They won by 34 points in the end. Yeah. Uh, 109 to 75. Jake Arundel kicked four goals. Tyler Edwards, three. Andreas Everett, three for Park Orchards. Ryan Hall, best on ground, along with Arundel, who's playing some good footy for Roville. And then the other shark attack that went down against Doncaster East was Doncaster. Again, Seven goals to three in the first quarter, so high-scoring thriller out at Zerbys. And then after that, the, the Lions just kept them at arm's length. That was the third quarter where Doncaster kicked four goals to one and, and gave themselves half a sniff. 
Um, but after that, again, once again, it was five goals to two in the last quarter from Doncaster. Samuel Rowe kicked seven goals. He has skyrocketed into fourth on the goal king list with 38. Uh, James Monks, six for Doncaster. No, Cole Vickers on the score sheet again. Oh. A bit worried about my man, Cole Vickers. <laughs> Uh, so, two good wins there for Doncaster East and Rival, doing as we expected, Scotty. Yeah, and the uh, shark attack was uh, initially started by Park Orchards once they sort of came, once they came back, and then I think Blake switched his attention to <laughs> Doncaster, Doncaster East. Uh, that R- Rival game in Park Orchards, I think, is is kind for um, Park Orchards. That scoring uh, inaccuracy by um, by Rival, fifteen goals, nineteen is is huge. So yeah, I think Park Orchards that the young side they like to kick goals. Their run home, there could be a few shootouts. Um, you know, even last week, South Croydon's kicked a big score against them. So I don't know who exactly Park Orchards have in they've that got, run home. They've got quite a few outs as well, Park Orchards, at the moment. Uh, I struggle to sort of see. You know, they're still scoring. They're doing well to, to keep scoring. But, yeah, they've still got players. Still got players out. But, um, yeah, I don't know what their run home is. Yeah, and, and, and they're sort of in that mid-table now where they're not going to get dropped. Yeah. They can't make the final. So no, it's correct. Try yeah. a few things. They've got some winnable games. They've got Vermont next week and then followed by Norwood, Blackburn and Doncaster East in the final round. So definitely could pinch... Two maybe. Well, Blackburn will be looking to, if, to, to hit some form yeah. there. The last two, but they probably should win two of those. Yeah, you, you, you would say. expect them to win the next two. And and look, I don't think anyone really thought they'd make finals this year, and they've done pretty. They cost well. themselves in that first six weeks missing those games. I think they lost three or four games under ten yeah. points yeah. when they had more scoring shots. You know, and and even that Norwood game Norwood we watched, game. they yep. should have won that. Yep. They didn't win that, and then from there, you, there's so much work to to make up, especially with Blackburn. Pinching that win against yeah. Baldwin, I think that really took the wind out of their sails. Because if they hadn't done that and Park Orchards had won a couple more games, you know, they that game against Blackburn would have become more important. But alas, that they'll probably finish seventh or eighth. But look, as you said, any team coming up to stay up is, is a good job. And next year will be even harder with double relegation. If they can do that, Park Orchards are a club that's set up for long-term success. Finally, before we drop down to Division 2, uh, Noel Park got a good win over Berwick, 12-9-4-6. Cole Martin kicked three goals. Uh, Jake Gaines was best on ground. Uh, like we said, Berwick just need to be careful um, in terms of North Ringwood's getting that win. We don't expect – we expect Berwick to be safe, but like we said, they're young, they're, they're getting tired, um, and they may – I think last year they finished about 7th or 8th too, so they won't have that easy run that North Ringwood will. So if North Ringwood do beat Doncaster, it'll be a nervous couple it's of a, weeks yeah. at Edwin Flack. South, and, South Croydon, Blackburn, Roval's their next three before North Ringwood. Yep. And just to interrupt, I, Noble Park um, put out that Shane Allen kicked 440 – with those two goals, it takes him to 448 goals, and their leading goal scorer for – Of all time? Of all time. Well, oh, from their stats. From, from their, their stats, stats, okay. So that's what – but that's So what there'll they be a believe. few old blokes back in the 60s that definitely <laughs> kicked a thousand. Hang on a minute. I don't think he is, so – yeah, but congrats to him. What a what a servant! And to, he, to and the he club. obviously didn't. He's been missing for three or four years as well. Yeah. So who knows how many he could have kicked? Well, that's it. So yeah, credit credit to him and, and well done. I'm sure he'll be looking to sign off with the premiership. Um, before we drop down to Division Two, now that you've got me talking about club social media, I noticed this morning that Mitch had put up a post. You know, of the, they were doing post match interviews. They do well in the social rooms with the opposition, talking to Gary Ayres and Andrew Haney got the six pack, and the post was going on about you know great. Well under Montrose, we've got a big game against Croy. And then at the bottom, it said, you know, and keep your eyes peeled on social media from a message from our president, RE, the appointment or the reappointment of Neil Winston. Now, I don't want to be handing out lessons, but just announce it then. You've announced it. You don't need to do the secondary post. Just- Whoever's running the social media, you've got to communicate better. Do, do we just want to announce it? 
Or do we just say keep your eyes peeled for some news because you've given away the lead. <laughs> They've not buried the lead there very well at the Mitchum social media team. Wasn't an asterisk. They do a lot of things about Woke. Well, the maybe, maybe they're going to sack him publicly. <laughs> I, I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they're trying to a twist to M. Night Shyamalan, but just I'm not sure. Keep the wolves at bay. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just a... Yeah, it just it's just the secondary post. Everything. Oh, what a surprise! But, well, we don't want to preempt it, but well done, Neil, if he's being reset. No, and and it's and it's good with the, with most of the clubs sort of having that sort of social media sort of switch. As we were talking about, I think the other week, it just gives gives the fans a, a sort of feeling that they're that they're involved in appointments or or sackings. I guess. Well, yeah, I don't, I'd love to see a club come out and do a proper. That, that would be quite ruthless. Uh, let's go to Division Two, where you know I heard you two talking as I was off making a coffee before the show that. Fifth spot continues. Um, the the, the favourite for fifth spot continues to change every week. So the Basin got a big win over Oakley, one hundred fifty nine to nine, um, and and we can't really read much into the margin. But what we can read into it is that you know they put the foot down here. They didn't just get the win. They're trying to play some good footy. Connor Edwards kick five. He's having a good little period. Um, Nick Halo back in the best players. So the Basin remain in fifth. They're a game behind Baronia, who lost to Ringwood. Uh, a pretty convincing win for Ringwood. We said on the Friday show that they seem to have the wood over Brony in home and away games. Six goals from Daniel Jordanov, four goals from Mitch Jackson, who's having a fantastic year playing as a an attacking four, uh, midfielder. Jaden Cairns, best on ground. And then, obviously, we'll get to the Eastwood and South Bell game in a bit. Templestowe beat Mulgrave. That was a big one on paper, but it was all tempy from the start. Uh, Sackis and Cloak kicking three goals apiece. Alex Brown, best on ground for the Dockers. And then Heathmont rolled Knox, 105-41, to 41, despite Knox leading at quarter time. Four goals to Liam Malone. And Campbell Evans kicked three. Uh, Malone was best on ground. So what that means, before we get to that East Bill with South Bowie game, Ryan, is that the Basin remain fifth on 30 points. Templestowe and Heathmont on 28 in sixth and seventh. Mulgrave do have the very two winnable games against Oakley District and Knox to come. And obviously, I think Heathmont have still got to play Oakley District next week. So it's still the race is still on between four teams, but it looks like the Basin might just be doing enough at the moment, Scotty. They do have, I think they've got East Burwood, Mulgrave, and Templestowe to come. So still three tricky games, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, they're starting to click. Yeah, and they are, and they're probably they deserve probably that that spot, that fifth spot, a little bit more than probably the others. Um, I think that game against Mulgrave is will be a, a danger game. I I still can't. Well, so will Templestowe. Yeah, true. But I just feel like with with Mulgrave, you just can't pick them at the moment. And I was saying, they they clearly match. They just match up with certain sides. Yeah, and it just there's just again ebbs ebbs and flows in it. They'll be extremely disappointed with the result um, yesterday. But yeah, the base center sort of probably just in that better. I just feel like they're just that little bit better position um, over Templestowe and um, and Heathmont. I think at their best they'll play finals. It's just we've seen we've seen both sides of the base and we've seen them yeah. pump. Well, they've got East to go Bird to Eastbury. So they've got to go to Eastbury. They do. And they, they beat them at home very comfortably, but it's a it's a whole different ball game with the the So they've got to the go there. Size. They lost to Templestowe, albeit at Templestowe. And then the Mulgrave game, like so you said, Mulgrave are, you know, Jekyll and Hyde sometimes. Mm. So it, that's the... I can't... I actually can't... I mean, I did my ladder predictor yesterday and I had the Basin finishing fifth and I... But it, it just changed again with uh, – I had Mulgrave being Tempe. There's there's probably too many variables well, We spoke about really Tempe last out. week, didn't we, that Tempe have a similar run home where all three games are winnable but also losable. So they've got yeah. the benefit of being able to take points off everyone else, but also they don't have those easy games that Heathmont have had or, and will have in Mulgrave as well. So, yeah, I think – yeah, I, I expect the Basin to squeeze into fifth. And Baronia won't like that because they haven't been able no. to beat them this year yeah. um, despite – 
thinking that they've got their that they should be able to do it. They haven't been able to do it. And then, you know, obviously East Burwood, if they beat them again, the basin will be happy to take them on and, you know, their games against Ringwood have been close. You know, it's a small ground as well, Walker Park, Mitcham, which is where Division Two finals will be held. So the Basin are that side, a bit like the Bulldogs, maybe, Scotty, of the last couple of years and maybe Richmond this year. I, I don't like talking too much AFL on these podcasts, but to draw comparisons, the Basin are that side where if they do squeeze in, other teams might be awfully happy about it. Yeah, and look, they'll definitely give it a, a shake-up, but... Um I guess it's just sort of, yeah, those, it's just changes so much. Again, it's this race of, of this, you know, fourth, fifth, yeah, that, uh, position oh, that that's going to fluctuate so much and you put in your predictors, but then it takes one result well, away. Well, who have the Basin got next week? They've got East Bearwood next yeah, week. Yeah, so, so they could it. easily come out and East Bearwood smack them by 10 goals and all of a sudden Tempe are in and we're all about yeah. the Dockers. And it's and it's seeing where, where that difference is. Obviously, Baronia got, you know, a fair pasting yesterday for a team, mm. the, the top side top side teams. So it, it's it's seeing whether they can compete then with those, um, with the South Belgrave, Ringwood and, yeah, probably East, East Ring, Bearwood. Ringwood would have been spewing, I think, that South Belgrave managed to kick those late two goals because they were looking like they were going to lock in top spot. And obviously, I think they've got South Belgrave and East Bearwood to come anyway, Ringwood, in their last three yep. games. So, you know, nothing's locked in. But I heard you talking on pregame yesterday, Brian, that Baronia at their best, at full strength, still think they can give this premiership a, a fair old crack. But yesterday's performance would let them down because that team was pretty close to full strength. It was only yep. missing Mitch Malice. Yeah, and no, I think I, I said, know he's a gun, so yeah. I'm caveat that. Oh, but it's still, it's still a very big loss, and that from from all reports, they were just never in it. Um, right from the start, it was just a, a really poor performance, and yeah, you know, their best and their worst is a massive difference, and similar to the base in that you know when they're off, you know they're 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 really off, and they're well off the pace that top two. So I I still have hopes for them come a fi- final series that they're going to fi- they're going to um, finish. Do you think Do you think Walker Park final. will suit them? Uh, it was suited better. I don't, they haven't liked playing at home that much either, and Ringwood's probably a similar sort of ground. But I mean, you've got to give credit to Ringwood. They, I mean, I don't think they've lost two games in a row I, in the last I, four years. I, it's funny because as much as Ringwood the last three or four years have been the the runaway team, we've also said, "Oh, they'll trip over. They'll trip over." This year, I've got a funny feeling that it's going to be the opposite. They're going to go in. Not yeah, as runaway favourites. South Belgrave are the team to beat. East Bird are young and plucky. You know, we'll be watching whoever sneaks in if the base is seeing. I think Ringwood, this might be their, their year. I don't, I've just got a feeling. I well, think Sam, Sam Wadley adds so much to their midfield. They're not one-dimensional when they go forward. Not that they were, but there was a clear thing. When you got Trent Farmer down there, it's just a natural gravitation to kick it to him. So maybe it's all set up for them. They won't want to play at Walker Park, but I, I feel like they've got more of those sort of small forward, uh, smaller forwards and, and midfielders hitting the scoreboard. Not, obviously, Jackson kicked another four. He kicked four when we watched him against East Burwood. They're getting sort of those players that are really well, attackingly, stepping up. Attacking, they're the third best attacking side, Ringwood, and they've only got one goal kicker in the top 10, and that's Mitch Jackson. So, yeah. So, they look, I, I think they're, at the they're, moment, If you, I think the top two are that not runaway favourites, but they're it's not not quite on the the extent of Division One where the top two are just miles ahead. I think, but I think they're probably they've just got too much more class and yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's closer than 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 those other yeah. than the the other division. But also their scoring and and defence, like for Ringwood's defence, that's always been they're Brett the Rose best, go. But they're they're know. well the best, hundred and sixty points better than South Belgravian. I don't, even, I don't know. You were there. Well, let's get on to that game then, Ryan. Yep. Um, East Burwood, South Belgrave. Like I said, I try to take a weekend off it, both forced and, and <laughs> both internally and, and external forces a hold of that. 12-12 to 11-12 uh, 
Um, South Borough got out of the blocks early, four goals to one, and then after that, it was pretty much what they've never really got outside ten points. East Bell actually got well in front in both yep. the third quarter and the last quarter before South wheeled them over the line. I know South that was probably their weakest outfit of the year, um, but East Bell were also missing some players. Um, what's what's your what's your read on that one? Because I don't know. Every time I seemed I, to watch it, East Bill had had all the play, and then I'd flick back and South Borough were back in front. Well, the I, the one thing I said at the start of the, the start of the game in the pregame show, I said East Bell would just have to not necessarily win, but they have to compete and they have to be close to to pu- really pushing South Belgrave because East Bell to with the ins they had, Mariani comes back in, um, they had a few others come in as well. They were at pretty much full strength, and South Belgrave were missing a lot of players. Two of the Garners out, um, expecting both of them to be back before the the end of uh, before the start of the final. So. They were they were certainly undermanned a little bit, and they lost a bit of their height, South Belgrave. Um, but they had East Bell just had to compete with them, and they did. And they they'll look at that game as as one they lost that they really should have won because they they got in front, I think, by about one or two goals in that last quarter. They did it twice, and they had all the momentum. They were killing them in the center, the the center, um, those clearances. Uh, they were pushed. They had all the run, and they just couldn't quite couldn't quite um, punish them on the scoreboard and. Uh, you've got to give credit to, to Tim Smith. He kicked an absolute beautiful goal on the boundary line, about 45 out, and he did a similar thing to Bronya early in the year, that, that one in the game. He's just a, a, a class above. What That's, time? What time? Is, it, is that the winner? Or was I it to it was, get level I, it up? I think it was to level it up. And he, actually, he kicked two in the last quarter. He, he got a free kick in the um, right in the square. So Yeah, now that was a dubious one because Max Wills was claiming that it was actually his jumper being held. So from the umpire's point of view, I actually saw that one. Yeah, it look. I think from where the umpire's saying so parallel or side on, it you can see Team Smith's arm back, and I think Max Wills is trying to go. Well, he's actually grabbing my jumper, yeah. and it looks like I'm pulling him back. I'll have to rewatch that. You have to rewatch I, it because I, I thought he had his arm. Yeah, so because if you quickly look at you, well, his arms pinned back. The most logical, yeah. you know, answer is that it's being held back. But I think Max Wills is trying to say he's actually done you there because he had my jumper holding me back, and it just looks like from side on, but. The original question I had, because Scotty saw how good Ringwood's defence is, and South Belgrave is the second best statistically, but watching that game, do you think it's that good, or is it just the fact that the other teams never get the ball when they play South Belgrave? Uh, a, a bit of both. I think Eastfield had plenty of the ball, so their back line held up really well, but I mean, the Rams missed some pretty crucial shots. I thought it was more the Rams not making the most of their opportunities rather than South Belgrave's defence, but... Um, in saying that, they held up pretty strongly. They're, they're quite tall um, down back as well. So um, a lot of times, especially in that, that that first quarter when they looked in a bit of trouble, they were bombing it long and, and South Belgrave were just taking you know pretty easy intercept marks. Um, but once the conditions got a bit, um, you know, the rain started to come a bit heavier in that second quarter, the ball was hitting the ground and that's where East Bird were starting to damage, uh, uh, be a bit damaging and Agnew was one of those players and Jemmy were, that ball hit the ground and they were they were crumbing and probably, you know, put them in a really good spot in the end. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, look, they're, they've got stars on every line, South Belgrave. So once they get a full strength side in, I, I, they're going to be very hard to beat. I think the plays, the pleasing thing from East Burwood and that's the scoring, like you're talking about the crummers and stuff, they scored some brilliant goals from yeah. crumming just in that forward half, tapped down and they, and they were through. And, and probably that's that's something for South Belgrave to probably look at. They probably allowed them a little bit too easy for a number of those scoring 
opportunity or yeah. scoring shots um, from from those clearances. But yeah, it was an interesting. I I was sort of back and forth between it, and, and like you, Matt, I sort of saw it and I was like, oh, yep, yep, the Eastbourne are doing all right and stuff. But then, yeah, South Belgrave just you know found another another notch and, and kept scoring and kept finding those opportunities to to cling to it and didn't yeah. let it go. I think yeah, and it's the, the the names on the list of South Belgrave, you, you can't push past them winning it, but. The last month or so has one given us as neutrals hope that the final series might be a, a, a run and done thing, but also it'll be interesting to see which clubs can sort of to figure it out because maybe Mulgrave have unlocked it. You know, the, the story is that Mulgrave just tried to clog up the midfield and not let it get on the outside and get any flow on the ball, and obviously the conditions helped yeah. East Build do that yesterday. But that actually plays to East Build's strength in the midfield in terms of you know the likes of Mariani are quite he, bullish players, yeah. so you can actually play to that, whether Ringwood can do that because they're a bit more methodical with the way they play um, and don't really have those massive midfielders. Um, you know, Daniel Coley is probably the only one where you think it was a genuine inside ball, um, but the base and have those guys of players inside of Bronio, and Bronio obviously did well against them yeah. earlier on in the year. I, I still think, I, as, as much as I just said before, that it's a, not a two-horse race, I, I, I still think both East Burwood, Bronio, and even to the base, and if they can get in, can really shake up the and final Ringwood? series. You, or, you didn't mention Ringwood there. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> the, the two, the two obvious. I think. Yeah, you, obviously. Okay, so you're saying yeah. yeah. Okay. It's I think good, the other three are, are very. Well, to much, be fair, yeah. East Bill would have a chance to make it two and two in a row against Ringwood when they because they'll play them at East Bill in that last round. Yeah. So. It's a really good preview. Like you know, if you think yes, say if it's going to be like a final series between those those two or any any of those those top sort of three. Geez, it's it's going to be exciting yeah. for that for that division. I know we were sort of saying that there's probably a little bit of that gap. If, Brony obviously against Ringwood um, yesterday, but yeah, with those other teams at the moment, it's going to be yeah, really, really ripping contest. No, no, it's going to be enthralling. All, all divisions are really, to be honest, except maybe Division Four. But we'll get to that one after the break because it's, things might be just starting to open up too, as well as Lee Kimpton closing in on a hundred when we come back. Of course, we'll talk about that Div Four and Lee Kimpton's uh, surge towards the century, but also the Division Three uh, relegation battle and whether Fair Park can produce a surprise. He's about 40 out. He's, he's going to have to. He's going to play on, run around, give himself some room, set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes. He's got it. Back to four points. What a good goal that was. Welcome back to the Eastland Monday recovery. There were some good goals all around the traps yesterday in the eastern suburbs as we close in on finals with more permutations, connotations, and big results around the grounds. Into Division 3 and 4 now. And... We'll start down the bottom of Division 3, Ryan and Scott, um, because Fair Park, we again, another game where we flagged it on the weekend forecast that Whitehorse haven't been able to win on the road yet this season. Fair Park are playing, not with complete freedom, but they're playing with that lack of pressure because everyone expects them to go down. Um, you know, they didn't really go on a big recruiting spree on, or if they did, they didn't publicise it in the off-season. You know, they you would argue they only stayed up because the season wasn't finished last year. Um and now, all of a sudden, they're off the bottom. They're second last because of their win. They kicked four goals to one in the last quarter to run out 13-point winners. So a come-from-behind win, technically, but obviously there was a scoring end uh, in this game. And I think the big thing for Fair Park now is that it's almost in their hands, Scott, because they'll play Scoresby in the last round at home. Scoresby and Whitehorse play in a couple of weeks. So it's they would now be Fair Park probably supporting Whitehorse because they can check they can control Scoresby's demise, I think. Obviously, if they win the last one, the loser of that Whitehorse-Scoresby game will likely drop down anyway. But 
I think they'll now be supporting Whitehorse because they can pull Scoresby down into into the mire. And if they pull it off Fair Park, you just like it, it's probably the story. It will probably go down as the story of the year. There's obviously Doncaster East surge and Roville surge at the top, and you know if Lee Kimpton will get onto him in a second kicks a hundred, that hasn't happened in a while. Mm. You know whatever happens if Mulgrave will manage to get into the Division Two finals, Eastern and Murbrook's dominance, but no one gave Fair Park. I think every ladder prediction yep. at the start of the year had Fair Park in the bottom two, if not just bottom. They started with those two wins and then, you know, went back to where we thought they were. But that's these last two wins that they've managed to get scattered out, they're not emotion-driven. I, I think it's a fantastic performance. And, you know, four goals to Ben Gilling, four goals to Ben Dadswell, you know, really well done to Sean Stanton. It's it's an incredible performance. Yeah, and, and this third division, it's such an interesting division. Like, there's been so many stories sort of through the year. Like, obviously, we've spoken about... Waverley Blues dominance. We've then spoken about Fentry Gully's resurgence towards the end. <laughs> and the miracle run. And the miracle run, which ended, unfortunately. Um, and then now we're sort of looking at this relegation battle and, and where it's going to go from from here. Um, Scoresby will be absolutely kicking themselves from yesterday. Like, they, they had that game. Sort the lo- of, apparently well, the close. longest game in history, too. Oh, was Every it? other game well, had wrapped up and Scoresby was still going. And the timekeeper's playing <laughs> funny buggers. Well, they'd want to have ended it because in the last quarter, it was eight goals to one. So, you <laughs> yeah, know, they yeah. would have well, they would have liked the game to be done with one minute in that last quarter and they, they would have got it. But, yeah, it gives Fair Park that, that belief. It then keeps that um, that battle alive and and we'll be watching that over the next few weeks as to where that where that goes obviously the only thing for fair park is that percentage is still it is the lowest even Glenn that's that's why I think yeah. that's why I think they'll want Whitehorse to then start winning because Whitehorse's run home has got them playing Glen Waverley scores in Fertri Gully so yeah. it's almost now for fair park they want Whitehorse to beat Glen Waverley and Scoresby yep. they beat Glen Waverley next week that'll probably rule Glen Waverley out, you would say. Yep. There's probably no way they're going to jump two teams. Um, and then if they can beat Scoresby, albeit it's at Scoresby, so Whitehorse's away record means that Scoresby will probably win it. If Whitehorse can win both of them, it, it, it means that that last game will be a playoff where percentage won't matter. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, if correct. Scoresby okay. were to win that game, then Fair Park then have to somehow win by 100 points. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they now need Whitehorse to do them a favour. But it is interesting, isn't it, Ryan? Because, look, Glen Waverley lost to Donvale... It actually a quite a good game. Yeah. It, 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 like I can't get a read on Glen Waverley because you know Coltrane battled them the other week. They've lost to Fair Park both times, um, and then then here they've produced a pretty good performance. I know they Donvale kicked seven eleven to seven six five point winners, but you know Glen Waverley the whole game never out of it, always knocking on the door. If they'd won that game as well, then all of a sudden this relegation race would have been blown wide open because it would have all just been on percentage. But the Hawks now face Whitehorse, the Bay, and Warrandyte. Um, Whitehorse at Whitehorse too, so I think it's Sayonara for the Hawks. Unfortunately, they've probably shot themselves in the foot because that fit, that I think both Fair Park games they were one was definitely less than a kick, another one was pretty close as well. So, um, and I think they've had a couple other games as well. I think um, that have been real close losses, which is which is unfortunate for them because. You just they probably need that one or two more wins. Are they sitting on three wins at the moment? Yeah, yeah. so they're three wins. Fair Park scores with Whitehorse or four wins. So yeah, so un- unfortunately for them, they they do have a better percentage than Fair Park. But as we said, you know, with two going down, it it, it seems to be you know impossible for them to to really get out of that bottom two. And they they they've shown signs this year that at their best they've um definitely you know challenged sides. Um, you know, as, as we said yes uh, yesterday that. Donvale's a very classy side and they're pretty much at full strength and I thought this was going to be a, a real, almost a bit of a percentage booster for Donvale. So, um, look, they've got a bit to work with next year, 
Um, but it, it's definitely interesting, you know, I, Whitehorse and Scoresby seem to be, you know, you know, at home, they seem to be really you know, quality sides that can, you know, Whitehorse well, Scor- is challenged Waverley Blues. Scoresby and yeah. Whitehorse record at home is, yeah, they're, they're amazing parallels. So, yeah. Scoresby against Donvale was 94 to 102 at Scoresby. Then you look earlier in the year and the game at Donvale, you know, they lost by, nine, uh, sorry, 70 points. Um, the Wavy Blues, even that game, they went down to 43, but they pushed them right until the last quarter. Coldstream, as you, you know, as we mentioned, Scotty, no, similar thing. It was only up until it was the last quarter that, that blew the game wide open. Because then if you contrast them with their other games, you know, you know they lost by 40 against Waverley at Waverley. So maybe that one's the, the only r- real um, difference. But, you know, even the Glen Waverley game, they lost to Glen Waverley at Glen Waverley, but won handily at home. So I'm... I would tip them to beat Whitehorse at Scoresby, but like I said, Fair Park will want them want them to win that one. So it's so like I said, so Fair Park got the buy this week. Then Warren and Scoresby. So if they produce against Warren well, so let's start the parade. Yeah, because yeah. they'll probably be safe. As I mentioned, uh, so Scoresby got Warren at Warren Whitehorse at Scoresby, and Fair Park at Fair Park. They've actually got a handy record over Warren recently. Scoresby, so. They might back themselves there. Whitehorse, Glen Waverley, Scoresby, Furniture Gully, all winnable games. To be honest, you know, Duncan Jones mentioned during the week, they, their last four games, they wanted to win them all. And on paper, they probably should win at least three of them. But they've started with the loss. And Glen Waverley, like I said before, they've got the buy in between games against Whitehorse at Whitehorse and Warrandyte at home. So you find it hard for them to get the two wins they need to survive, unfortunately. So it is... It looks like just one relegation spot left, and it's between Fair Park, Scoresby, and Whitehorse. So, very, very interesting. Let's go to the top of the ladder, though, now, Scotty. So, Waverley had the bye. There's only three games in this division. You mentioned that Coldstream Scoresby game, how the last quarter was the difference where Coldy kicked eight goals to one mm. and ended up winning by 32 points, 120 to 88. Jeremy Conti and Darcy Fritch kicked six apiece. So, 18 goals between five blokes for Coldstream. Yeah, Incredible bad. stuff. You know, I know coaches talk about wanting the spread of goal kickers. But, you know, some days you just got to you – know, scores be probably just pulling the hair out. How do we stop these two? Well, they do, but they – well, I guess for the majority of the game, it was sort of close and they had their, their own – It will be interesting to see how many they chances. kicked in the last of those two players, whether it was yeah, just the last quarter. Yeah, that's true because scores we were up by two goals, like, leading into that last quarter. So the turnaround has been huge. And I don't I don't know what's happened in that, in that last quarter for Scoresby. It obviously was um, – High scoring first quarter too, six goals yeah. to five. Yeah, at Scoresby. So we're saying that they play well at home and, and it showed that whether it's just Coldstream sort of class and, and sort of that, you know, better conditioning or whatever. But yeah, geez, when you've got um, players of Fritch and, and Conti scoring six, then yeah, you're always going to struggle um, in, a, in a high scoring game, obviously. It's gone under the radar, I think. Just how impressive their season is. They're sitting second right well, now. There'll be a couple a of people at a coach and be very happy with you, Ryan. I, I had them I've top had four. a couple of messages saying we don't give them enough credit. You had them top four. Yeah. I had them seventh. I think six or seventh. So I've overrated Whitehorse and, and I think I've overrated Glenn Waverley, which I really I did too, yeah. Um, and I think you're almost bang on. You, you sent through your ladder predictor actually this morning at an odd gut. Ungodly well. hours, Scotty. <laughs> um, but he actually is going to be almost bang on for the for the top five, but not in the right order. Yeah, I had Venture Galley fifth. So, I, so you're going to get that one right. You've got Coltrane finishing fourth. Um, and then I think you had Warrandyte, Waverley and Donvale. I think you might actually end up being correct. Yeah, it, Except it, you'll have Waverley, Waverley second, ha- yeah, but they'll be first. Have- but because Warrandyte shouldn't lose another game, Coldy have to play Donvale and Waverley. And yep. Donvale obviously have to play Coldy and Waverley as well. So... 
Um, Warrandyke could just swing into second just purely because of their run home. But cold stream back onto them. They're having a great year. And with Darcy Fritch back, you know, they could give it a shake. So he is it, he's definitely going to be available for, come finals time. Sorry, I've muted myself there. Uh, you would assume so because he was playing at Williamstown, was it? Williamstown? Yes, I think it was yeah, Williamstown. Sure. Not sure. Anyway, apologies, Darcy, if we've got that wrong. But he played those few games. Williamstown, uh, I don't think they're going to make the finals. Um I don't think any of those standalone clubs are going to make the finals, unfortunately. Um, and he clearly come back to Coldy, so he's, it looks like he's made his decision. He's going to play for yep. Coldy the rest of the year because I think he's you know very crucial if if they are going to have a real chance at um, a real 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 goal at the flag. He's got to be there and he's got to kick you know probably four or five you know to, especially to beat Waverley Blues who have the, well he's already the options the, he's already eighth on the goal kicking list with twenty six goals. I think he's only played about five or six yeah, games, so he 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 could be the difference. And they, when they last played Waverley Blues, they didn't have. Um, Fritch, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. And, they only, and they only lost by about five or six goals. So, so he's that and kind I, of player. I think the beauty about this final series in Div 3, obviously the Waverley Blues have been, you know, phenomenal. But the, the three that are going to play that second, third and fourth could all beat each other. And I think they've done it throughout the year. There's, I, yeah, I like I said, I think Warrandyte will finish ranking. second yeah. because their last few games, they I think they play the bottom four or, or f- yeah. four. Yeah, four of the bottom five or whatever it is. So they shouldn't lose. So they'll finish second, but if you went into the finals on the form of the year, Warrandyte are the fourth-ranked side. They've just yeah. won all the tight ones. So, I don't know, you could look at it two ways. You could you could um, look at it and say, well, actually, Warrandyte, because they've won the tight ones, should go in as favourite. But I also think that Donvale and Coldstream are probably, at the moment, playing better footy. Yeah, so Warrandyte will need the second chance. And, you know, the loser in the elimination final could probably count themselves unlucky. But, yeah, it's besides Wavy Blues, it's shaping up as a pretty ripping final series, Scotty. Yeah, it's leading, leading into that. And, um, obviously, Coldstream will be pleased with the, the way they ended ended that game. It, it was looking shaky. But, um, yeah, Warrandyte's got scores be this week at, um, at Warrandyte. So you would think that they'll get that win. Um, that puts them then to 40 points. And, and then, then they'll have Fair Park and Glen Waverley, I think, to finish. Yeah. So, again, they're just in that in that nice position at the end of the year to, to push themselves up further the ladder um, and give them a, yeah, a really good chance. Yeah, so I think – so they should finish on 48 points. And then, like I said, if Wavy Blues continue to win, as we expect them to, they, they will finish yes. second then because both Coldy and Donvay will have a loss in their last two and then Coldy and Don will play each other. So – you yeah. ex- if Donvale win those last two, Warrandyte might get there. But percentages in Warrandyte's thing as well, they need to start hitting the scoreboard. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting who gets that double chance, much like Premier Division, where, where there's a race for the second double chance spot. But, look, well done to Coldstream. They're having a great year. Scoresby, they're playing good enough footy where I'm not too worried about them going down. But with them and Whitehorse, you know, we say that every second week, Ryan. Every time they play at home, we go, they're playing too good a footy to go down. But when they play away, they're completely different sides and, you know, Fair, the way Fair Park are going, just quietly about the business, they might jump. They might jump out of nowhere and, and push one of those teams down to Division Four. Yeah, and you're right. It would be the big story because you know I'd, I certainly didn't see him winning. Um, you know, Fair, four or five Fair Park. Games. Fair Park. We everyone had. I think everyone had the ninth. It's not like everyone had them like going down. We had them ninth. We yeah. had them stone cold, motherless last, Scotty, and you know, and and here we are talking about them. Really, all of a sudden after one win, talking about them as a possible miracle. So. Yeah, the momentum the momentum changes quickly in this uh, in this division, and and you know watch obviously this next coming week. This will really sort of form it. Um, Ferntree Gully play Donvale, I think this. this yeah, week. so that's one so where it'll be that, interesting to see how Ferntree Gully approach the rest of the year because they're technically not out of the relegation battle, but 
Yeah. So they still have a little bit to play for. And then that, that could actually shape who does finish there. Because if Fentragalli, and I think they'll still have to play Coldy as well. Yep, so yep. Coldy's last three, I think, are Waverley, Don Vale, and Fentragalli not in that order. Yes, in that order. I can't remember. Um, I think they've got Waverley first. But so Coldstream could could very easily not win another game and finish fourth. Yeah, it's it's fluctuating so so much, and that prediction that we're sort of saying it's it's all guided by probably yeah at least well the ne- next week's games will, will really shape sort of where it's starting to to head, who's in danger, and, and who's looking like they're sort of yeah going to step up. Yeah, very interesting. Let's jump down to Division Four though. So there's a couple of big stories. I think we're going to start with Lee Kimpton. So he's kicked 11 goals. That's I think his fourth or fifth haul of 10 plus. Obviously, there's the caveat that he's probably betting up on sides well below his skill level, but they. Won- 125-24 to 6440 over Croydon North, 134-point win. Kimpton kicked 11, Ficarilli and Lowe, three apiece. Uh, and then Croydon North, Pitt with three, Panetta, Hudson and Guren with one. Um, yeah, so the story there is Lee Kimpton's up to 94 goals for the year, Ryan. So he'll get it next. Oh, is that they've got the they've buy got the next buy. week. They've got the buy. And then I believe they've got Churnside Park. Now, on paper, you would say, oh, maybe he won't get there. You know, Churnside Park, our second ladder. Last time they played them, they won by 180 points. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's get. I was gonna, I said if he's within 10, he'll get it. Well, they'll because start he just because – And what will happen is, Sylvan, the way they're playing, they're probably going to be comfortably in front at three-quarter yeah. time. There'll be a couple of handballs yeah, over the be- top. It'll be kicker to So we're going yeah, to send – I think we're going to send line. Davis Harrigan down there to that game and we'll send a couple other people down there to try and get some footage of, of Lee getting 100. It's obviously well, not the most followed division, but hopefully a few people can get down to – is it at Silvan or is it at Churnside? I believe it's at Silvan. I well, hope it's at Silvan for their sake. That hopefully a few people can get up the mountain and, and storm the field, Scotty. And Well, yeah. Oh, Kimberley Reserve. Kimberley Reserve. be quite the um, – Well, it's an open ground, Kimberley. Kids yeah, could be coming from anywhere. <laughs> Dogs, animals, Dogs, everything. animals, exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? It's exciting for, for Sylvan. Um, what do you think, though, happens with Kimpton? Like, obviously, Sylvan are, are, are you know, looking like they're in the, in the box seat and scoring that many goals, he has to be a sought-after – well, he came down from Croydon, yeah. so he he played in the higher divisions yeah. and come down. So, but do you, do you think he sort of gives it that that go and then, or is he going to? Well, Sylvan, Sylvan, you would assume our favourites to go up, so yeah. it might be a bit of that Darcy Fritch thing. Well, yeah. well, and probably well, Darcy Fritch obviously went and tried to, his hand at VFL, but yeah, you would look at that and think, well, if we're going to go up, yeah, let, like, stick keep, around and let's have around. a crack at Div yeah. Three. You, yeah. It's just yeah, because if you actually look at his record, Kimpton, like if if I can. I'm navigating my way through the website at the moment. If you look at his his record, I think a lot of the goals come against, you know, and I don't like 94 goals is an incredible effort. Like get, he's going to get his hundred. Yeah. You know, if they play two games, they'll play minimum two games yep. in finals. He's probably going to get 120, 130. But he's kicked against Croydon North, uh, who they've played three times. He's kicked 27 goals, and they've played Nutter Wadding three times, and he's kicked 27 goals. So he's kicked 54 of his 94 against the bottom two. Yep. So again, it's not denigrating his performance, but it's not like he's a, a mile above. Yeah. The, like, yeah, yeah. If he went up to dip three, I don't yeah. think he's going to kick a hundred again. No, but it's not so much even like those, that premier sort of division. It's probably those, those teams in sort of, you know, div one, div two. Yeah. Div of, two. Yeah. They, but you look, the team that probably needs a goal kicker is Corey, where he came from. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so they true. go back to the well. No, it's um, just a, a hypothetical sort of to, to put out there. It's, it's, it keeps the, the story sort of for, for Silver. Like I said, they're, they're just, yeah, miles miles above it, sort of seems. Yeah. I hope Lee, if he does listen, doesn't think I'm yeah shitting on his performance because 94 goals is many more than I've ever kicked. And um, <laughs> yeah. and look, I look forward to we look forward to watching him in the final series because 
outside of those, he's still kicking four to five each week. So yeah. it's not it's not like he's going goalless in the other games. He's still he's, he's still always... averaging about three or four goals a game against the top sides, and and that may be the difference coming grand final day. They're likely opponent. Well. Not likely opponents. They're at the moment the second place side is Churnsod, although I think Surrey Park are the likely grand final opponents. We'll get to that yep. in a second. Churnsod got belted by Forest Hill. Out of nowhere, Ryan. Yeah, I, I And maybe it's the news that Justin Sacluner and Forest Hill have decided that enough's enough at the end of the year. Because it, I don't know whether they've been missing fifteen players or Churnside had a lot of outs, or what happened. But nine goals to two in the first quarter. They were 15 goals, 191 to 35 at halftime, and then just held on from there, 144 to 66. Rudd and Rowe, five apiece. McCartan Collins kicked three. Ben Rudd was best on ground. Not only does that win, I guess, inject some real energy into the Forest Hill group about their, their next three games, but it could have locked in finals. Because well, their percentage yeah. is now nine points better than Kilsyth. They'll play Kilsyth the next week or the week after, um, and then they'll have Nutterwadding again. I know Kilsyth have two winnable games to finish in Croy North and Nutterwadding, but it pretty much now ne- means that Kilsyth have to beat Forest Hill. Well, it doesn't. It, I think a few weeks ago we said it was the other way around because that percentage, Kilsyth had a better percentage a few weeks ago, I'm pretty sure. And that we looked at that game as Forest Hill have to beat Kilsyth and then win the rest or win their the other games that they need to to make it. It's it, it's the other way net round now, and Kilsyth have got to probably hope that Forest Hill trip up because um, then they're probably not going to get that 9% back. And I think that's the biggest – I think it's just the biggest shot. Not I was more shocked with the way that Forest Hill went about it yesterday than rather than Churnside Park. I, I to, to score 23 goals, they have not had that sort of um, – that sort of weapons up – those sort of weapons up forward um, all season, you know, Two guys kicking five each. Um, they had plenty of goal kick as well over into double figures, Scott, and that's been the uh, a bit of an issue for them this year. But does then Churnside have to start worrying about that score because they they when they let teams in, they let teams in. You know, yeah. obviously you look at that Sylvan result. Um, they've got Surrey Park this week, who we're talking about is playing. You know, really good form, um, and they've obviously got Sylvan the week after. So Churnside's Second spot's up for Surrey Park. Be the be. next week. It's it's up for grabs. Yeah, it has to be. And and I, I think there's there's sort of real question as to what happens when it when it goes wrong for Churnside. Like what you know? How do they allow those those sort of goals? And like we're saying against Forest Hill, who we haven't sort of been seeing huge scores from, and then all of a sudden they deliver this. So I think that's where the change is is coming. And and if Surrey Park start to get on a, a little bit of a roll, then it's um yeah possibly a Surrey Park. Sylvan sort of final shaping. Can they have an impact in finals if they Churnside make it Forest Hill? Forest Hill? Well, on that performance, and we've, you know, like I said, so Churnside's run home, it, they're not safe anymore because we, we Surrey Park will play Sylvan at Surrey Park yeah. again where they beat them last time. And if they can finally get their number this week, Surrey Park might, will get them on percentage and, and could finish second. And they'll have to play Forest Hill again. So I don't think they can get, they've not been close to Sylvan or Surrey. Um, but the way they played yesterday, possibly. Well, yeah, something. Yeah. And they've done. Yeah. Forest Hill are the kind of team where I think every time they've made the grand final, they've lost always. By, well, they've lost close ones, but they've always, always sort of come from nowhere to finish. Yeah. In, make the grand final, if you know what I mean. And uh, could, could they be doing it again? I don't know. I, I think I think you're right, though. I think on on paper, it's 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 Silver and Surrey Park as the the two informed sides that. The only worry is that Surrey Park don't do enough to get second spot, and then. 
well, that, yeah, by Forest yeah, Hill. It makes it harder for them if they, if they don't finish in that top two. And I, I don't think they will just with the um, the gap that they've got on Churnside, the gap that they have from, from Churnside Park. So. Well, it's a two-gap it, two swim, so Surrey Park would have to beat both Sylvan and Churnside. Which you, if you're banking on beating Sylvan to, to finish top two, you, you probably... Uh, They'd have to win all three games and Churnside would have to to lose to both of them. Uh, to lose to them, and yeah, so you least, would say chance not a safe, but it's opened it up. Yeah, and at least it keeps it interesting for for the neutral supporter and people out there, sort of keeping an eye on that division. At least it sort of says, well, you know, those that race to sort of possibly being in the grand final is is very much. Open. Um, did we say Churnside does play Sylvan again before? No, well, it, uh, it, that's the game where Kim's will be lining up for 100 goals. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. In so, two weeks. So, and you would want to see, though, Churnside Park. Well, Churnside got Surrey that, and Sylvan. Closing yeah. that gap, though. Well, I from mean, 180. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> they've spoken about, you know, the, trying to navigate how they're going to beat them. And, and last time, it, whatever way they navigated was the wrong direction. So I just want to see that Churnside Park can sort of, you know, close that gap because, yeah, I don't know who's going to close that gap between Sylvan at the at the moment. I think they'll be excited to, to have those two as their last two games because they, they do need tests. So do they finish again. with the bye, Chanside? They finish with the right, bye. Right, so they, if they don't win another game, so they've got two games left or three games left? Two games left. Two games left. They, they may finish on 44. Yep. yep. So all of a sudden it does open up for Sur- – if all Surrey have to do is actually beat Chanside because who have Surrey got remaining? Uh, Surrey Parks, uh, I'm pretty sure they've, they've got obviously Chanside Park Next week. And Sylvan and to finish. Sylvan to finish. Forest Hill um, before Sylvan. Right. So, Surrey Park, if they beat Churnside and Forest Hill. And Churnside... That'd be it. They'll, they'll, they'll finish second. They'll yeah, finish second on percentage. Wise, that's where they'll, they'll go. So, all and of a sudden, these next two weeks for Churnside... Huge. Uh, th- this next week for Churnside yeah. is huge. It's a playoff for second, pretty yeah, much. it is. And uh, I think just the way it's sort of going at the moment, um, yeah, Surrey Park, I'm, I'm pushing up towards second for sure. Just yeah, got to get a bit of form back. Let's yeah, Chantai Park. They've yeah, got to find the leading form. into the the, the final. Yeah. That's when you want it, and you don't want to sort of be slipping away and having these losses where you question where are we, you know, how are we allowing teams to score so much? And obviously, come finals time, it's a totally different competition, yeah. and there every player is trying to score, or every team is trying to score and get those get the results. So, yeah, a, a little bit of worrying signs, but again, they've. Chanside, they've held the position there. They've only lost three. So we're sort of speaking about as if they've lost, you know, every one. It is a big loss, but they're still up there. So, it, yeah. It, it's been a great year for them. They are, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, we talked about that that losing streak a couple of years ago. Um, and last year was just to sort of find their feet a bit. And yep. then this year they've they've proven that they're, you know, a, you know, a decent threat. It's just they've just haven't been able to challenge Sylvan. So it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting um top four. But I think, you know, they've really got to win a final just to yep. I think at this stage. Yeah. Just to really put an emphasis on, on their improvement. Yeah. It's almost better to finish third than rather than finish second yeah. and, and maybe go out straight sets. You're, are you better off finishing third, winning a final or, and, and getting the momentum? Yeah, but then if you, you finish third... You could have to play Forest Hill again. again. <laughs> well, well done to Forest Hill. I guess yeah. we sort of talk, spoke about Chanside more there, but well done to them. They've sort of, yeah, from nowhere, it looks like they are going to finish fourth now unless Kilsyth can roll them and, and reopen that gap. And mm. look, next week we'll probably be talking about how good Kilsyth are and how good a story <laughs> it is for them to squeeze in before. <laughs> the last game is Kilsyth and Surrey Park. We, the last time they played at Pink's Reserve, we sort of held out... Well, they, they won and we were holding out for them to actually cause an upset and lock in fourth spot. You know, funny how things change in, in 48 hours' time. But Surrey Park under James Kenworthy are playing with this amazing freedom. They're scoring more. I think they've scored 
100 points or around about that mark every every week since he's come on board. Nick can kick seven. Uh, Kenworthy kick two and a new forward role. Interesting how he becomes coach and rolls himself into the forward <laughs> pocket. Uh, Lachlan Peters, best on ground for Surrey. Well, Daniel Ivanovich, young fella, was best on ground for Kilsyth when he managed the five goals. Uh, Goodenson kicked the two. So, yeah, score, it's all sort of set up. You know, we spoke about, I guess, Surrey and Kilsyth in that little conversation before. So, Kilsyth still have Croy North and Nutter wanting to come. So, that if they can beat Forest Hill, they will make finals, I still think. But it the way Forest Hill played yesterday makes it very interesting next week. And then obviously for Surrey Park, as we've sort of just discovered <laughs> organically there in that last <laughs> conversation, a win next week against Churnsaw means two things. They'll finally knocked off the side that they just haven't been able to get for some reason past. And they'll probably get second spot and a double chance at the premiership. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a big turnaround from that. That uh, first loss to, or the second loss, the second time they played Kilsyth in that loss. At that stage, we'd be almost n- not worrying about them not making finals. They would have made were, it, but we're worrying that they were just falling off. Yeah, and it they was were going to finish to fourth and, and and not make any of an impact. But look, I mean, they've they've turned things around after the um the after bringing in the the um, new coach and their their forms probably you know they've done us a, a big favour by beating Sylvan because it's given us. A hope that you know this will be um, a, a decent final series and a, and a, a close grand final. Um, look, that yeah, obviously, mate, you mentioned about their scoring. They you know have uh, scored over a hundred twice the week, the two weeks before. Scored beat eighty Silver against Sylvan, yeah, and then ninety six basically there. But they've they've plenty. They've improved plenty, Scott, and they've you know should be able to. Oh, I, th- I think they should be able to make a grand final just on just on form. Yeah, I I think so, and I think yeah, from looking at that, they've got obviously the probably the better run out of out of those lot um, home uh, to get to that position. Um, I don't know, obviously, where you guys sort of pick them sort of through your your predictions. So it'd be an interesting division to sort of. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had them winning it. I, okay. I, un- yeah. I, I know Sylvan made signings. I under I, I underrated how much impact that had. I thought they went too forward heavy. Yep. Obviously, James Charge has been a great pickup in the ruck. So I, I had Surrey winning it purely on the fact that they had Premier Division 19s last year. Mm-hmm. They were playing good footy. I thought they were the closest side to Coldy last year. Mm-hmm. It looks like they might be falling into that category again. So I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it look and it, and it's an interesting division for that for that sort of those, those sort of top spots. But yeah, I'm excited to see. Interesting division they're... because it it is like unfortunately it looks like sides sort of have to go on this big recruiting drive to just get out. Yep. Yeah. And then you've got to try and re-establish yourself. Fair Park had the disadvantage of getting out and then a pandemic. Yes. Coldstream have had the advantage of getting out and then have re-established themselves in a very open division. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Sylvan are trying to follow that method. Yeah. Sorry, Park look like it's a bit, not quite organic, but there's, there hasn't been this mass. They've never really gone on a massive recruiting no. push. Mm. It seems like they are trying to keep it. Very sustainable. Like I said, they've had 19s. It's a strong junior club in the Arrow Juniors. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting method. It's You would assume on paper, sorry, Parks is the safer and the better option. But unfortunately, because everyone's there's a couple of clubs that can't use this big recruiting push, um, you may always finish in second like Forest Hill did for a little four-year yeah. four period. So, yep. it is important that you do strike all you can or else you might be stuck perpetually yep. uh, in the lowest division. 
But, gentlemen, it's uh, been a pleasure. Nice little quaint chat between three fellas. We thank Gary Ayres for joining us on the Eastland Monday recovery for this week. There's, uh, what, three rounds to go until until the first week of finals getting or something close. like that. So, yeah, it's it's getting very close. It's crept uh, crept up on us pretty quickly. Uh, we're going to keep, obviously, a keen eye on nothing's really locked in, is it, except for the Premier Division top six and the Division three top four. But even then, there's still jeopardy at the bottom of both those ladders and also uh, in the race for, for double chances and... and favourable finals and, and everything else in between. So, Ryan and Scott, thank you very much for joining me on the Eastland Monday Recovery. And until next time, enjoy the footy. Clear until the afternoon. So, Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He's put it in! Oh, He's no. put it in! Oh, Wignall! He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle. Oh, no. Took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kick the, the check side for right in front of us. Billy, he can make a, he can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it. Oh, you'll be a hero.